1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: Good morning, how are you? Good morning. It is baseball season. Are you excited?
2: Yes. Oh, we're, we're really fired up. And, and I think the, <laughs> the, the, the true excitement is regarding the Cubs. And regarding the idea, and it's pretty fascinating to me that they have yet to really engage in any kind of negotiation with uh, Cody Bellinger. And, and I think everybody looks at the Cubs and says, we have to get Bellinger back. They're going to be pretty good. I don't know how good they'll be without him. And I don't know that they're getting him back. And Tom Ricketts, I was stunned by his admission that. Yeah, he wants to talk to me, and I told him to go through Jed. He doesn't want to talk to the agent directly, which is apparently a big Boris move.
0: It is the only Boris move. Now, if Tom Ricketts is actually telling the truth and he refuses to speak to Boris, on principle alone Boris won't let Bellinger sign with the Cubs because in no way can his power be subjugated He deals with owners and presidents. That's it. He doesn't want to ever talk to GMs because he doesn't want to hear a rational argument about why his player is not worth what he promised his player he was worth. The only thing I did think that Tom Ricketts got wrong, of course they've engaged on Bellinger. And he says there's been no negotiations. Of course there have been. There have been conversations. Boris has said what he wants. And the Cubs have said no, 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 and Boris hasn't moved. That's, you can call what you want, that's a negotiation. And uh, if Tom actually does this, and so do all the other owners, how amazing would it be if those four Boris clients were sitting there on March 1st, then April 1st, then May 1st, and all of them have to sign like one-year deals? That would be awesome. That
3: would be collusion,
0: <laughs> right? No, not, not at all. Because it would be individual owners choosing not to meet the asking price of a particular agent. Interesting. There would be no memo from Rob Manford say don't sign these players. It's the opposite. Rob would like some of these players to be signed, so the union doesn't have that in addition to all the other issues the union has with management. Does there need to be but formal no.
3: communication for there to be collusion? Could not be an unspoken agreement amongst owners that they basically are unifying against this rogue agent? I don't know if that's a way to describe Boris, but if he's asking for something that's unreasonable and everybody unites against him, that to me is, is seems like it's collusion.
0: Well, you're missing one of the big words you said, unspoken. Collusion generally, there has to be an action, and there has to be a reaction to the action. Okay. And so when I decide that Bellinger is not worth $200 million or Blake Snell, you think you're going to get a judge to say, ooh, Blake Snell's a $200 million five-and-dive guy. I can't believe no one gave it to him.
3: <laughs> That's a good point, David. So let me ask you this, because I think that Tom Ricketts, to me, you can look at it two ways. I want to know how you look at it. I respect the fact that he is leaving the negotiation, if you will, if, he's, if you believe him, up to Jed Hoyer, the team president. I, I respect the fact that he's wanting his guys to do their jobs. There might be some owners that swoop in and say, well, you know what, I'm the guy, I have the money, talk to me, I want the credit, I'll, I don't want the blame. Isn't this the right way to do it, let people do their jobs and stay out of it until you actually, just say, yes, the money's there, yes, uh, talk to me at the press conference, but not get involved directly.
0: Yeah, all owners get involved. And Tom Ricketts is no exception. Don't forget the Edwin Jackson deal that you guys had. That was totally Tom saying, I can't handle the public anger about the team and the rebuild, etc. So they wasted that money on on Edwin's a great guy. He pitched for 49 teams. And, uh, but remember, I don't, do you guys remember the Edwin Jackson long term deal the Cubs did? 75000000 dollars
2: million, wasn't it? He played for 49 teams. That's so fantastic. (laughs) So true.
0: And it was, I I counted, I think I'm close, actually. And uh, so it's, he played for me too, and he's such a good man too. But that Ricketts deal was, was, of course, owner's prerogative. And every owner has owner's prerogative. And I promise you that none of these four Boris players will sign. Without the owner of the signing team getting involved, not one.
2: I, I heard Bob Nightingale on a on a um, podcast with uh, AJ's podcast uh, yesterday saying that that he's talked to general managers and they're all kind of like, "What if we offered uh, three hundred million for three of your clients, uh, Scott? You just split up the money the way you want." And, and I thought that was hysterical. But these are good players, you know that you were, we're talking about. Montgomery and Snell, from a pitching standpoint, uh talking about the third baseman chapman and and obviously Cody Bellinger, but what's going to happen i mean is is this will this end up being short term deals
0: i I think so, and what you just said is the life of a Busconi down in the Dominican, where we as a, we would offer the Busconi, hey, we'll give you three million dollars, split it however you want, but we want Victor Mesa and you can, we'll take his brother, we'll take his best friend and we'll take his first cousin, but we want this guy and keep as much as you want, give it however you want, just make sure they sign in a dotted line. That would be hysterical, but not actual reality for that to happen with big league players, where you give an agent a pot of money and say, we want three guys, totally up to you, let me know what we're paying them. And that is so awesome. Because in fact, from, a, from an agent standpoint, their commission is the same so they get the five percent on the 300 million it doesn't matter if it goes to blake and cody and, and montgomery and how it split so the agent actually would love that but it, unfortunately that's only in the movies
3: you have a great memory or
0: on Jan- the dominican
3: yeah. <laughs> january 2nd 2013 you remembered edwin jackson signed a four-year 52 million dollar contract with the cubs so very good memory there david last thing on this for me Who goes first, do you think? Do you have a sense of anybody being close? Do you have a sense that if one signs, the Boris will – then the domino effect will be the others will follow? Or what do you project is going to happen with the Boris four?
0: I think Blake Snell is going to sign, and I've said that he's going to sign with the Yankees. The Yankees have a problem. Uh, They need to win, and they need pitching, and they can't count on Rodon alone to back up Cole and or or Nestor so here's what I think happens I think Blake Snell gets a short-term deal and then Scott Boris takes the microphone sits on the podium and says this is exactly what we wanted the whole time (laughs) we wanted 35 million a year for two years we want him to show that he even if it's 40 million a year for two years when we know that what he's wanted is 200 million six years and uh, I think it would be amazing to get them on a short-term deal have the Yankees do that, which is a smart way to do it, and then have Boris claim victory. Uh, and then people think that he actually believes that we believe that he was victorious. The reason why there's no dominoes, people thought when Otani signed there'd be a domino effect and now the market will open. Or once Yamamoto signed, then everything will be fine. Once the regional sports network issue was taken care of for 2024, now Montgomery will sign. And remember, Josh Hader Actually, publican said the Rangers couldn't sign me because they didn't know about their TV deal. And that's why he went to Houston and not to Texas. And the thought was that once these deals are known, now you can spend the money. But that's not true because the way these deals are being solved on the regional network side is on an annual basis. It's not like you can go out five years and say, we've got guaranteed revenue for these five years. It's unknown what the revenue is going forward. You don't want to put yourself out there by signing these long-term deals, which is why most teams aren't doing them, which gets me back to where I started, which is why there's such a concern about labor right now and owners upset because certain owners can act a certain way like the Dodgers and most owners cannot. And so I think that the sport has a problem right now. And of course it will be solved, but the problem is not going to go away with these four players signing Because Rob Manford wants a signing deadline, and I agree with him, where there can be excitement with players all signing by December. Players will never allow that, and that's just one of the areas where fighting is going to happen. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: You know, the, uh, the White Sox are an interesting case study because I don't know if the team's going to be any good. I would suspect it's not going to be any good, given the way that they've traded different players and the limited amount of money they have spent to replace those players. Uh, There seems to be an indication, at least from the manager, that they're they're more optimistic. They've got more guys buying in, and kind of the general attitude is better as if they got rid of whatever – Troublemakers were holding him back. Um, I I don't know. I I really have very limited expectations or understanding of how they're putting this team together. And then meanwhile, you got Jerry Reinsdorf, who um, is the ballpark's getting older. They got six years left on the lease. He's looking for a new home. Uh, they've, They've found this area in Chicago. It would be spectacular if they built a stadium in the South Loop. It just seems like they're looking for public money and you know generally speaking they <laughs> yes, don't they, are. they don't really they don't really tap into the public they don't care what the public thinks about what they do and now they're looking for money it just seems weird
0: well i don't think there's anything weird about teams looking for public private partnerships because everyone does it i think it's funny that jerry went to springfield to start his quest for a billion and uh, i i think that it's a little early To be doing that, and then if you're going to do it, to go out in public and just say, "Hey, if you want to know how it went, ask them." Um, I think it doesn't matter that the White Sox are going to lose 100 games; it won't won't impact the financing of a new ballpark. Legislators don't look at current performance of the team when deciding whether or not to help. Just like if your team wins the World Series, it doesn't mean all of a sudden they hand over money. It's totally a separate negotiation. I think in terms of on the field, the White Sox had had a window; the window's closed. There probably is addition by subtraction, losing Tim Anderson. I think it will be better for the clubhouse. But at the end of the day, it's just not a great team. And that's okay. There are years that you win and there are years that you don't. I think that in terms of off the field, it's a really long process that there's been some stumbling with going to Nashville and meeting with the mayor and then pretending, oh, I just wanted to say, hi, give me a break, would you? Everyone's trying to get leverage. And in order to get leverage, you have to believe and have the public authorities believe that the team could be lost. Sometimes you use leverage within your own community, which is what the Bears are doing. Right. The Bears aren't using other cities. They're using parts of Chicago to go against each other, which is sort of next-level chess when it comes to you know the, the playbook of getting public money. But I think you're in the first inning with the White Sox, and they're smart to start this early because it takes years to get these deals done.
3: So, David, you're talking about leverage plays and the role that maybe public uh, perception plays in some of these things. Which brings me to yesterday. You were the team president for the Marlins. You know what role that person plays and how what function he can have when it's done well. Jerry Reinsdorf showed up at Springfield, and then he kind of was dismissive with reporters afterward. And this is after the clumsy visit with the Nashville mayor. And yesterday was I described as clumsy again. The White Sox don't understand public rela- relations. They don't understand the power of perception. Does this expose the fact that they don't have a team president? They don't have anybody besides Jerry Reinser to be the front guy for organizational issues this serious and this important to their future.
0: Yeah, I think that every owner needs to have a a person like the way I was for our owner. The person who takes the heat. The person who's not beloved. The person who's willing to have a thick skin Uh, The problem when dealing with octogenarians is they tend to not want to be coached when it comes to PR, and if you do try to coach them, they sort of forget what they're supposed to say, and that's why a very funny video yesterday, and I put this on Nothing Personal this morning, of Ken Kendrick, the owner of the Diamondbacks, talking to the media with his team president standing right there. And four times during that press availability, it's like the team president was trying to elbow his way onto the microphone to get Ken Kendrick off the microphone because Ken Kendrick said things that you just shouldn't say, like, hey, Phoenix, you're running out of time, that, that sort of comment. <laughs> and what Jerry does, listen, I, listen. he's not a young guy. He's, he's been around a long time. He just doesn't care. Right. And I don't blame him. I know a lot of 87-year-olds who don't care. I expect when I'm 87, I won't care. But that doesn't mean that I should be in front of a microphone at that point. So I think they'd be well-served by having a different spokesperson than Jerry. But that's how he operates. That's what he wants to do. But fans of the, of the White Sox or of baseball in Chicago needn't worry. The team won't leave because public people don't like Jerry or don't like what he says or he's clumsy. That won't stop a deal from happening. The only thing that will stop a deal from happening – is if the governmental authorities and the people elected into office all are united in being okay with the White Sox leaving Chicago. And I cannot dream of a scenario where any politician wants to have on his, her, or their resume that they were in charge when the Chicago White Sox left Chicago. I just don't think it's ever going to happen.
2: From your mouth to God's ear, I mean, I, you know, again, I, I I, just think that there's an unlikability about what they do that is, you know, they, I mean, I know so many Sox fans that are so fed up and upset about this team. And then Jerry just kind of, he comes out, to, I'll take, you know, give me your questions. I'll answer what I want to, which is his ad. That, that's his attitude. That's the way he rolls And he'll be 88 on Sunday. So, I I mean, we're just kind of passing time
0: here. Just remember that when you're doing a deal for a new stadium in Chicago, let's say, and I hope Jerry lives to be 120. So let's say he's got 32 years left, and that would be an amazing run. Having the White Sox in Chicago well past 32 years from now, which is what a new ballpark would mean, because you do a 30-year lease and the ballpark wouldn't open for five years so you're at least 35 years, it's not about doing a deal with Reinsdorf. It's not about whether they love him or hate him or, or whether he's clumsy. It's about the team. And I would imagine the White Sox will be sold when he passes away as part of estate planning or taxes, whatever the case may be. I, I've always thought that the bulls will be kept in the family and the White Sox will be sold. That's, that's sort of been my view. And so I think that the people in charge, the government people, they recognize that you don't do deals because of an owner you don't not do deals because of an owner it frankly it's the same way i feel about people who say they don't go to games because they hate me well you're not going to have a good experience at a game with your child or with your employee because you don't like the team president i mean really (laughs) and that's sort of how i feel about an owner
3: quickly david before we let you go what's your most memorable experience negotiating with scott boris if you have one
0: Oh, God, I negotiate with him all the time. My most memorable experience is when we would talk to Scott Boris about one of his players. We would be, he'd be on speakerphone. I'd be in the office of the GM, whether it was Larry Beinfest or Michael Hill. My office was always next door. And we would keep the phone on, on speaker, and we'd leave the room and do other work in my office while Scott was talking. (laughs) Because every time Scott talks, it's at minimum for 12 to 16 minutes and you don't even need the occasional uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) oh yeah like you do in a normal conversation there's no pausing so we would get so much work done while he was talking in the other room and we'd have the assistant to the gm motion to us when he breathed and then we'd scurry back in and say oh scott we totally understand what you're saying And we never listened to one word he said.
2: Oh, David, (laughs) that's that's beautiful. Thank you, David. Much, much uh, appreciate David. True story. Have a great day. Great stuff.
0: We get it.
1: Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?